Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. Amen. You can take a seat. And as you do, take your Bible and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. All right, 2 Corinthians 8. That's where we're going to be this morning as we wrap up this little uh, short little series that we did, just call it Love, Serve, and Give, walking through uh, kind of our purpose, uh, why we're here at, uh, at First Baptist Church, what we want to be about as the people of God who gather together and call ourselves First Baptist Church. So, uh, so far we've looked at uh, what it looks like to, to love God, and we said we want to love God completely, we want to love others compassionately, how we can um, serve selflessly, what it looks like to, to serve uh, both inside the church and, and even in, in the community uh, as ambassadors of Christ and, and ambassadors from First Baptist Church as representatives of the kingdom of God, what it looks like to, to serve our community. And then this morning, finally, we're, we're going to focus on what it looks like to, to be people who are giving back to the Lord out of our time, out of our talents, and out of our treasures. Now, now let me just say, as a pastor, the, the topic of giving is probably the most uncomfortable uh, topic for me to address, uh, because I never want to come across as, as self-serving, saying, hey, you need to give to the church when, um, by the way, that pays my salary. So, so, I mean, I do hope that you give to the church, right? I mean, I have, I have a personal interest in that. But, but more than that, I, I, so I never want to come across as, as you know, being, being self-serving in this. Um, I want you to give... In, in obedience to the Lord's commands, not, not just because I'm up here saying, hey, give me money. No, that's, no, that's not it at all. And so that's why I also, want us, I also want us to zoom out a little bit and focus on the, the bigger picture of giving, not just of, not just of our money, but, but of everything that God has, has given to us. So that's why we're going to say time, uh, which is maybe our most precious commodity, um, our talents, those, those things that God has blessed us with that, that will allow us to serve in ways that we looked at last week. And, the, and then, yeah, our, our treasures. As we recognize that God is the owner of all things, he has lent some, some material possessions and some money to us in order that we might glorify him, not just in the bit that we give back to him, but, but in everything. That, that we might have this holistic view of what it looks like um, to, to serve. Now, now, really quickly, let me kind of frame where we're going to be this morning. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 9 here in a minute, but we're gonna, really going to focus in um, on verse 3. And verse 3 will be wh- where we get uh, kind of our three points this morning. That will be our main one. We'll, we'll be around uh, that, that verse. We'll be in, in some other parts of that passage throughout the morning. But, but primarily, we're going to look at verse 3. And, and this can be a bit confusing because we're in, the, we're in the letter of 2 Corinthians. And Paul's talking about Macedonians, okay? So he's writing a letter to, to, to a church in Corinth, telling them, in this case, about uh, some experiences that he had in this area called Macedonia. Now, there would be some places that we're familiar with. Um, so Macedonia would have included places like uh, the city of Philippi. Paul wrote a letter there. We have it as Philippians. Um, the city of Thessalonica. We have two letters to the Thessalonians. And then a city called uh, Berea. And we see all of these in, in Acts chapter 17 as Paul's traveling through. And, and what we learn about the Bereans is that we're told the Bereans 
weren't willing to just take uh, what Paul said at face value, but he said they, they studied the scripture for themselves. Uh, and so I would, I, would, I would challenge you to be like the Bereans. Don't, don't just listen and, and take what I say at face value. Be, be in the word for yourself. Um, but in, in order to, to stay true to the text b- before us, most of what we talk about this morning is going to deal with financial giving because that's what the passage addresses. Uh, but I think some of the same principles that we're going to see, and, and we'll touch on those uh, throughout the, the morning, uh, some of those same principles apply to um, giving of, of time, giving of talents as well. If you have your Bible open to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, let's stand as we honor the word the Lord's given to us this morning. We'll read verses 1 through 9. The word of the Lord says, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that according to their ability, and even beyond their ability, of their own accord, they they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So we urged Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. I am not saying this as a command. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your faith. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you will bless your word this morning. You would open our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear what you would have to say to us. Where we need to change our actions, will you show us those areas we need to correct? Where we need to adjust our our attitudes, would you do that as well? Ultimately, we pray for your grace as we talk about giving this morning. That you would remind us of, of the grace that we've been given. That we would respond to that in the way that we give back to you out of our time, our talents, and our treasures. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. So we're going to look at three things. And, and as I said, all three of these are going to come right out of verse 3. Uh, and then through, throughout the passage, and we'll have a couple other verses we'll, we'll look at that'll be on the screen. You can just hang out in 2 Corinthians 8 and, and you'll be all right. The first principle that we see out of, out of 2 Corinthians 8 is that uh, giving should be proportionate. Okay, so, so right off the bat in, uh, in verse 3, he says that these Macedonian believers, these, he's telling the Corinthians about, um, he says, I can testify that according to their ability. Okay, so they gave according to their ability. In other words, they gave out of what they had. And in verse 2, we were told that that they actually um, were experiencing uh, affliction and extreme poverty. Okay, so now there's a lot of discussion in in the, the church today about how much believers should give. And, and we'll get to that in a minute. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. So I, I don't want to jump the, jump the gun here. I just simply want to say that, 
The, the biblical principle is that we give a portion, right? You, you give out of what you have. We don't give from what we don't have, okay? So, so in other words, um, you aren't called to give out of abundant wealth if you don't have abundant wealth. Okay, now, now keep in mind here, the Macedonian believers that Paul's discussing, came out, they gave out of their poverty, but they still gave. And I think there's a principle here. Uh, so, so let me reference a wonderful theological uh, television show called The Office. All right? Um, now, if you've never seen The Office, don't, it's okay. If, if you have, and if you watched it all the way through, when I say Scott's Tots, you're probably going to remember, know what I'm talking about. And, and yeah, immediately. It's like a, a groaning laugh. So, so in the in television series, The Office, there's one absolutely cringe-worthy episode that's called Scott's Tots. In this episode, it's revealed that the main character of the show, a guy named Michael Scott, who's uh, the regional manager for a paper company called Dunder Mifflin, had, in fact, 10 years earlier, promised a group of school kids that he would pay for their college. Okay? Mistake number one, don't promise people you'll pay for their college like when they're second graders, okay? Okay? now, when we come into the show, it's 10 years later, and these second graders are now getting ready to graduate from high school, and he's still working the same job as a regional manager at a mid-sized paper company, meaning he's not rolling in the dough. He's not, as he says in the show, he's not the millionaire that he was certain he would be 10 years ago when he made the promise. Can anybody relate? <laughs> So in the show, he's invited to the school to celebrate this generous gift because everybody assumes he's coming back and he's going to like write this massive check for all these kids to go to college. And he has to break it to them that he can't do that. Why? Because he promised to give out of what he didn't have. Okay? So, so listen, we, we, are, we are not called to give out of what we don't have. And the same is not true just of our finances or our treasures, but it's true of our time and our talents as well, okay? For instance, if you can't sing, choir or the praise team might not be the best place for you to serve. If, or if the idea of getting puked on or having to change a dirty diaper like absolutely repulses you, then the nursery is probably not the best place for you to serve, Okay? Now, it's not to say that God can't move us out of our comfort zones, right? He, he does. He, he can and he often will make us do things that, that make us uncomfortable. But we also need to recognize God's given us certain gifts and certain abilities. And we serve him out of what he's given us, not out of what we don't have. So let me give just a, a simple personal example. Um, early on in ministry, I, I thought I had to write like my entire check for the offering uh, for, for the month on the first Sunday of the month. So it's in the Bible, I'd read first fruits, right? So I thought, okay, I got to give this for, first of all. And, and, and I often uh, didn't have the money to do that. We'd come to the end of the month and, and there wouldn't be money. I was like, what, 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 why did this, what, what's the problem? Why don't I have enough money that I can, that I can give all this at the beginning? It finally dawned on me. I get paid twice in the month, right? I'm trying to give out of what I don't have yet. And so what, what I started doing was simply writing a, a, a check each time I got paid. 
And now I've moved to, to where actually I will give. Um, I use our online giving that we have, we have set up for a purpose. Um, but I do it each week during the offering. Because for me, our, our giving is a, a corporate act of worship. And I've started doing that every week. So rather than saying, hey, I've got to write this check at the beginning of the month. No, I can, I can make it. I can give out of what I have. We make it proportionate. So we give out of what we have. Okay? Now, the question you might be asking is, well, how much should I give? Okay? So he's talking about giving out of what we have. I know what I have. How much should I give? That, that leads us to this second principle. Okay? So, so our giving should be proportionate. But we also see that giving should be sacrificial. If you look in verse 3, again, it says, I can testify that according to their ability, and look at this next phrase, and even beyond their ability. Now keep in mind, these Macedonian believers, we've already been told, we're experiencing extreme poverty. And Paul says they gave according to their ability, and they gave beyond their ability. They gave sacrificially. Now, what, what does it mean to give sacrificially? I, I think um, author C.S. Lewis has some, some helpful words for us here. Look at this uh, quote out of his book, Mere Christianity. By the way, if, you, if you've never read Mere Christianity, um, this is in my top five, easily my top five books uh, of all time. I think every believer uh, at some point should, should read Mere Christianity. It's a short book. Um, but this is what he says about, about giving, to, about our charity. He says, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. Again, this isn't me just coming up with this, right? This is C.S. Lewis. He was a smart guy. Um, he's one of, the, one of the primary Christian authors of the last hundred years. Simply saying, when, when we talk about giving sacrificially, it really should be sacrificial, meaning we sacrifice some things so that we can give toward the kingdom of God. And we see this type of giving in the lives of the Macedonian believers. So we've already seen that they gave out of their extreme poverty. And then if you jump down in, in verse 5, Paul will say, um, he said in the, the first phrase that he says, and not just as we had hoped. Not just as we had hoped. In other words, the, the giving of the Macedonian believers to send Paul and his companions around the world to spread the gospel exceeded even Paul's own expectations because he understood their poverty. And yet they gave. We, we get the idea here that he was just blown away by his giving. All right, Kyle, you still haven't said how much, okay? Well, here's the, here's the last part of this, right? So, so we said giving should be proportionate, should be sacrificial. And the last thing is this. It should be voluntary. The end of verse 3, it says, uh, of their own accord. Okay? 
So, so it was not compulsory giving. Apparently, they weren't giving, getting a tithe bill every, every month, right? This is how much you owe. They gave voluntarily. In fact, in verse 4, Paul says they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. So, so I don't know if that means that, that Paul and his companions saw the, the poverty that the Macedonian believers were in and, and, and thought to themselves, man, there's, there's really no way these folks are going to be able to contribute. We're not really expecting much from them. But it says they begged them, let us take part in this ministry. They didn't want to miss out on the blessing of being part of seeing the kingdom of God advance. How are they able to take part in this ministry? By, by giving. Think about it this way. I came across a commentary this week as I was, as I was doing some studying, and it just had this simple phrase. It said, financial stewardship is ministry. You ever thought of it that way? Have you ever, have you ever considered as, as the offering plate's being passed that you are taking part in ministry? Now, you can take that too far, so, so let, me, let me caution you here. Don't, don't get into this mindset of, well, I wrote my check, I put it in the offering plate, I don't have to do anything else. Don't ask me to serve, I get that's not the way it works. But being good stewards of the resources God's given us, which includes giving back to the kingdom of God, is one way, one way we can be actively involved in ministry. That's why we're focusing every, every Sunday on uh, the way that, that the, the portion that we send on to the cooperative program is advancing the kingdom of God in places like Nepal, in places like Southern California, and in church plants right here in New Mexico. Hopefully soon in, in church plants right here in, in our own uh, association in Otero and Lincoln counties, maybe eventually right here in Alamogordo, we will see the kingdom of God expand as churches, as churches grow and as the number of churches grows. We get to be a part of that through our giving. And so th then we get down to verse 4, and Paul calls on these Corinthian believers who, who were doing a lot of things well, if you know anything about, about uh, Paul's letters to the, to the Corinthians, um, you know they were doing a lot of things not well. But, but there were some things they were doing well. And, and he tells them in verse 7, as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. In other words, he says, look, there, there's so many things that you're doing well. Don't, don't do those to the exclusion of, of giving, but, but excel in this as well. So giving should be voluntary. Now, now let's talk about the amount. Okay, so where do we get this idea? Because you've, you've no doubt heard a tenth, right? So, so where do we get this idea that, that our giving should be a tenth? Well, one of the primary places that we get it is in the Old Testament book of Malachi, the, the very last uh, book in the Old Testament. And this is what, uh, this is what Malachi says, Malachi 3.10. Bring the full tenth, or maybe your translation says tithe. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Okay? Now, now the idea behind the, the tithe in the Old Testament 
um, is that this was a provision for the priests. It was a provision for, uh, for, for the, the, the priests who served, who didn't have income of their own. And so, um, so the, the Israelites were called to give a tenth of their grain, a tenth of, of their belongings, and, and those would go to the priests, and that's how the priests would eat. That's how, they would, that's how they would live. And in the Old Testament, there was not just one tithe. There were actually two and a half tithes that, that were prescribed. So, so uh, the Israelites, the, the Jewish believers in the Old Testament, gave not 10%, but 22.5%. Um, now, in case you're wondering, wait a second, is he about to change this? Um, no, 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 listen, okay? We live in the New Testament times, right? We, we are a New Testament church, so, so we have to ask the question, is this a requirement that we see in the New Testament? What does the New Testament say about giving? Well, interestingly enough, nowhere in the New Testament is the word tithe mentioned as a responsibility of followers of Christ. Rather, as we've said, we're called to give proportionate to what we have. We're called to give sacrificially, and we are to give voluntarily. Now, my question in response to that is that in light of that, in light of, so in the New Testament, we're called to give back to God out of the grace that he's shown to us. And my question in that is always, look, I'm not going to lay a hard and fast 10% rule, but but I, I still firmly believe 10% is a good baseline. I'll argue 10% is a good baseline for giving to the Lord. And now, now hear me out, with other charitable giving on top of that, okay? So, so let, let me make my case here. I believe the primary place a believer should give financially is to the local church. Now, there are a lot of charitable organizations, Okay? There are a lot of, a lot of good organizations that, that we can and perhaps we should give to. But, but hear me, folks. None of them are the bride of Christ. Samaritan's Purse is a good organization. That's why we, that's why we partner with them for Operation Christmas Child. World Vision. My, my wife and I, our family sponsors a child through, through World Vision. You can do the same through Compassion International. The American Red Cross is, is a good. Pregnancy centers are, are good things. None of them are the church. So I just think, and I'll argue that as followers of Christ, we should give first and foremost to the local church in order to take part in the ministry. Because this, the local church, is the mechanism that God designed to expand the kingdom of God, to push back darkness, the primary place where, where believers should, or where disciples should be made. But, but again, listen, don't, don't stop at simply writing your check or, or putting in your, your credit card number online, right? Because we're also called to give of our time and our talents. In, in Ephesians 4.11, which we looked at last week, um, Paul talks about the, uh, the different roles that God's given to the local church. He'll talk about apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. As we, as we looked at last week in Romans 12, we, nowhere do we have what we would say is an exhaustive list of um, 
ministries and, and gifts that God has given. But what we see is that he's given these gifts in order that the body of Christ might be equipped. Okay? So in giving, don't, don't simply stop and say, well, I wrote my check, that's all I've got to do. No, because, listen, my job as pastor teacher is what, according to what the Bible says, is to equip you, the saints, for the work of ministry. It's not my job to do all the ministry. When we get to a point eventually where we have more staff, it's not the staff's job to do all the ministry. I've been called to equip the saints, right? So this is where our time and our talents come into play. God's given each of us special gifts. He has gifted you with special talents and abilities to be used in spreading the gospel of Christ to a lost and dying world. He's entrusted, with the, he's entrusted us with these things so that we bring him glory when we use them. So listen, don't waste your gifts Don't waste your treasures. You are uniquely wired. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul, is he's kind of wrapping up this this section on giving, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7, he says this. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Now, now sometimes this is taken and it's twisted and it's saying, well, the one who uh, sows generously will reap generously. That means you place $100 in the offering plate and the $1,000 is going to come back to you this way. That's nonsense. Not promise that. What we are promised, though, is that there's blessings when we are obedient to what God's called us to do. You know, if we go back to that Malachi passage, again, I said I'm not going to make, not gonna make a, a tithe or a tenth a hard line, but, but it's interesting that that's the only place in, in the entire Bible that I've ever come across where, where God says, test me in this. The only place where, where, where God's almost, it's almost as if he's saying, look, I dare you, do this. Give yourself, give sacrificially, and see if I don't come through. Not out of compulsion, not because you feel guilty, because God loves a cheerful giver. All right, so, so maybe you're here and you're like, man, I, I don't know, you know, he's still talking about money, I don't, I don't know if I like that or not. How do I, uh, how do I get to a point where I'm, where I'm willingly, joyfully, Willing to give of my time, my talents, my treasures that are, that are proportionate, that are sacrificial, that are voluntary. Because th- those, those words don't really seem to go together in, in my vocabulary there. We, we simply, we see that answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. Actually, let's back up. Let's start at one, because kind of give us the, the run in there. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. 
I can testify that according to their ability, and even beyond their ability, of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints, and not just as we had hoped. Look here. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to us, by God's will. See, listen, the Macedonian believers didn't give their money to Paul first. It says they first gave themselves to the Lord. And and once they did that, their money simply became a tool to use in worship of the Lord. So so can I I just maybe step on some toes here in a minute? So, So if you feel threatened, whenever we talk about giving, can I just tell you that might be exposing an idol in your life? For for sitting here and I'm talking about this and, and you're thinking, man, I don't, I don't know about that. He's trying to you know, trying to get in my wallet. He's not talking about finances. No, actually, I'm talking about your whole life. But you know, so listen. If, if you're zeroing in on, on on the money and that that's the part that that hurts this morning, God God might just be exposing some some idols in your life. Because the point is not that that we would just give money, right? And walk out of here feeling good about ourselves. The point is that we would give ourselves to the Lord. And then our lives become moldable in the hand of Almighty God to use for his kingdom and for his glory. So let's learn from the example of these Macedonian believers this morning. These folks who, who though they were in extreme poverty, gave overwhelmingly of themselves, and of the treasures they had, they had been given to see the kingdom of God advance. And listen, then, then we have this promise straight from the lips of Jesus himself about what happens when we give. And he says this, Luke six thirty eight: Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So, so listen, do, do you know what you will discover when you give to the Lord? I can testify to this. I'm still not perfect at this. I'm still learning. I've got a long way to go, but, but I've, I've learned a couple of things. Can I tell you what I've learned? I've learned that you will never give something back to God that he has not first given to you. See, Psalm 24, 1. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and everything in it. Now, now let me translate that for you. So when it says the world and everything, it means everything, okay? That means everything belongs to God. This could be a whole other sermon, right? God owns everything. Ultimately, you own nothing. One day, your life will end, and you don't get to take anything with you. God owns it all. We have been given things while we're here to steward, to take care of God's resources. He owns everything. He's entrusted us with a few things. So let's let God direct us in in how to take care of his stuff. Not, Not just in the things we give back to him, so, so listen, that doesn't mean that if I, if I throw 10% in the offering plate, the other 90% is mine to spend however I want. No, that's not how it works. 
But as I often say during, during our offering, you'll hear in just a minute, um, our giving back to God is simply a reminder that we're giving a portion of what he owns back to him in order that we might be better stewards of the rest of our resources. Yeah, our money and our stuff, but our time and our talents and our very lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you so much for the opportunity to gather and to worship and to open up your word. And I know these... This is a touchy subject, and so I pray in each of our hearts, you would expose those areas of our lives that we're not surrendering, that we're not stewarding well, that we want to keep control over. So so where that's present, would you just expose sin in our lives this morning and, and call us to repentance? That as men and women and teenagers and kids who, who proclaim that we're followers of Christ, that our lives would match that. We wouldn't just simply seek to amass stuff for ourselves, but that we would recognize everything we have belongs to you and is a blessing given by you. Help us to walk humbly in that and help us to, to be people who are willing to give sacrificially so that your name might be made great and the kingdom of God might advance. Thank you so much for sending Christ and for, for the grace that he provides that when we, when we trip and we fall flat on our faces and, and, and being good stewards, that you don't condemn us, but that there's grace. Pick us up and help us to walk along with you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.